Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom, making notes, still no music in my ears. I was just going to ask you if you heard that. I thought we'd rectified that issue last week when we moved some things around, but obviously not. Eric was in the neighborhood this morning, and he dropped by to do a podcast with us. Corn is kicking, Eric. It is growing fast and moving on. A lot of it's moving on towards tasseling, so that's why Eric's here. We want to talk about tassel nitrogen. So, Eric, thanks for taking some time out of your day. I know you're running around crazy this time of year. Yeah, we stay busy anyway, that's for sure, but it's an important time of the year, and get a lot of questions about various management aspects of, of corn at this growth stage, certainly. How many on-farm sites do you have this year? We've got eight. Okay. Eight of our corn verification programs, with four of them being in the Delta and four in the hills, basically, is our, our standard pattern. What's your range of growth stages on those right now? Let me think here. We've got some corn that's going to be tasseling within the next week, and we've got one of our producers was literally still planting corn in the Delta last week. So pretty good range there, but most of our actual fields in the verification program are going to be from uh, V7, 20 inches tall, up to nearly tassel at this point. We talked to Drew yesterday. That lines up with what Drew said. With his the on-farm sites that he has, they were scattered out in the Delta, south to north, from older to younger. All right, Eric, SEC tournament's going on. I know you're a big baseball fan. I debated on which direction I was going to go with my question related to baseball to you, but I decided to go this way. We asked Brian Paralisi this last year, so if you were playing college baseball, what would your walkout song be? Oh, man, I'm not a big music person anyway. But you got to have a walkout song now. (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to think. My daughter's actually baiting a baseball player, and obviously she has some impact with the, with the walkout song, I guess. So Seriously said she's baiting a baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume that means you want me to leave that in there. Absolutely. Why would you take that out of there? That was spectacular. All right, what, Eric, you're still it, on the hook for a song, man. Only thing I can think of, it, one of the songs that, that we went over was uh, Van Halen's Jump. Me good one. That's not bad. No, it's not bad. There's a lot of layers to a good walkout song, and everybody's got different opinions on it. I have no idea what I would choose. Tom, don't ever ask me that on the air because I have well, no idea. The problem is, is based on Paralisi's response, he has set the standard. The bar is pretty high, so Brian's response was – you say it because I'll say the title wrong. I think I'll say the title wrong. It was a Rage Against the Rage Machine Against the Machine, song, and it's Bulls on Parade, yeah, I think it. is what it is. Bulls on Parade. Uh, and I don't remember all of their songs. Well, but they're loud and they're aggressive. Eric, I think the one thing that we talked about with Drew the other day, and you would probably do a better job of clarifying this, when did we really start having conversations in Mississippi about this tassel nitrogen application? Because I think in the years that Jason and I have been here, I don't recall talking about that 15, 16, 17 years ago. So is that something that's new or that's always been around and now we just focus more energy talking about it? It's relatively new. Not that it we couldn't have done it back 15, 20 years ago, but um, 
you know, that's one of the areas that I think we've evolved as far as managers. We are doing things more efficiently, and this is a, a method, frankly, that we avoid. We make more efficient use of our nitrogen fertilizer by doing a better job of the timing of it. And what we're doing is reducing the exposure of our nitrogen to those wet saturated conditions that we typically have pre-tassel. And that ensures that we more likely have fully available nitrogen to carry that crop all the way to the end of the growing season. And a, a very clear example of that would have been the 2021 growing season when we had all that rainfall and flooding conditions during the month of June. It just so happened that a lot of the corn north of Highway 82 that had that the brunt of that rainfall had not the corn had not quite reached tasseling at that time period. So a lot of at tassel applications went out after that rainfall and that ensured that there was some nitrogen available that wasn't exposed to all those wet saturated conditions and it carried that crop to the end of the growing season and in in most cases in the Mississippi Delta we did not see extreme deficiencies with nitrogen before the end of the season and that was in stark contrast to the hills region of the state where it's not as common particularly in the northeast region of the state where they don't have aerial application capabilities like like we do in other areas of the state to combat those environmental conditions that are very conducive for nitrogen loss during the season. And there was some growers I know that we talked about, talked to after the season that said, yeah, we didn't apply an at-tassel application in the Delta and we saw greatly reduced yields because of that. So it's, it's something that that's making sure that the nitrogen is available for the crop all the way to the end of the growing season, particularly in our wet years, which, which we continually deal with. We didn't have to deal with them in 2022, but, you know, if you look at a 10-year period, there's going to be three or four wet years in there, if not more, where spreading out your nitrogen applications and including this mid-season application at tasseling are going to be very beneficial and reduce the risk of running out of nitrogen before the end of the growing season. So it's basically risk management. Yeah. And that's similar to what the strategy is in rice. If you go back and read all the literature on fertilizer management or nitrogen fertilizer management on rice, in research, the optimum way to do it is single application prior to flooding the field. But then commercially, that's not the way we do it, and that's not even the way we recommend it because realistically – in plot work, we can flood that field in a few hours and, and hold it to the end of the year, and that's just not realistic commercially. So we split that application from two times to five times, depending on the strategy of the guy making the decisions, and that's the same kind of deal. It's just avoiding that risk and avoiding the potential for losing a significant portion of that fertilizer budget. Absolutely. How does irrigation factor into that, Eric? Because in the delta where we do furrow irrigate, you have consistent introduction of moisture cycling in those fields. Irrigation in general, I guess, first of all, you're putting a saturated event on the field multiple times during the growing season. So it's certainly going to compound losses during the season. We often get into dry periods like we're in right now or hadn't rained for a significant amount for 10 or 14 days. Folks are either putting out all of their nitrogen as urea, which is greatly changed over the years. And that nitrogen or that, that fertilizer needs to be incorporated. It can only be incorporated by two methods, either by rainfall or, or irrigation water or by mechanically. 
And, you know, if we're doing it in season on a crop, we're not running cultivators through our corn crop as a general rule. So we've got to rely upon irrigation water or rainfall to incorporate that nitrogen and make it available to the plant and really avoid losses. There's, there's two types of losses that occur in the soil because of wet saturated conditions, but urea fertilizer is subject to volatility when it lays on the soil surface. So we treat it with urease inhibitors to restrict the amount of that that occurs, but it's not going to totally stop it. And if it lays on the soil surface for three weeks or in dry land fields last year, we had fertilizer lay on the soil surface for eight weeks without a rainfall event. That's not a good thing. And that's why we use other methods. And frankly, this, this method of top dressing urea fertilizer is something that's not used in drier regions of the United States because of that need to incorporate the fertilizer. We can't do that out in Kansas where I'm from because, um, you know, it's too dry to facilitate that process. Since there's probably, and it would depend on what date you're looking at and where you are in the state, and I know that differs throughout the geography of Mississippi itself. If you have no expected rainfall in the forecast and you're making this application, does that necessitate an irrigation event following that tassel application? At some point, yes. What what I would urge folks to do, particularly if you just got an at-tassel shot left, if you got multiple shots left, then you pretty well got to go ahead and time them relative to the corn growth stage and go ahead and proceed. In other words, you don't have the luxury to wait two weeks to when the crop really needs irrigation or when the, you're, we're going to get a rain. It, it's always better to get a rain or have center pivot irrigation that completely covers all the soil surface to incorporate that nitrogen fertilizer as opposed to a furrow irrigation event that is running water down furrows that may only incorporate what's in the bottom of the furrow in 30% of your total soil surface area. So it's always more efficient to get an overhead or a rainfall event to incorporate. So the, the primary thing that I always suggest when folks are asking about timing is I would prefer to put it out in front of a rainfall event. If there's no rain in the in the forecast, then and you just got one application timing left, that brings us to the next question. A lot of folks are concerned about specific timing of your tassel application. Does it need to go out two weeks prior, week prior, at tassel, or even after? And my, my answer to that is, in most ca- cases, all this is is a supplementary application. Your crop is already completely healthy. You've got surplus nitrogen already applied to the crop relative to what its needs are at that time of the year. So you can afford to wait till even after, shortly after tassel to make that pre-tassel application if it would be beneficial to you and you can work it out with your ag pilot to put it out in front of a rainfall event. It will be more efficient by doing that. Timing would only increase in importance if the crop was stressed. So if there if, had been if it's some def- type of event where you lost some of the earlier season applications. Yeah, if you've had catastrophic loss or for some reason or another an application was skipped or was very tardy in being made. If, if the crop is sick and defi- nitrogen deficient, then it's extremely critical and important that you rectify that situation as best as possible prior to tassel. Are corn farmers concerned about adding any additional elements at that timing with the, with the nitrogen? Yeah, there, there's lots of things that, that we, from a consultant standpoint, you know, that we're recommending or, or that we get asked about that, that may occur at tassel time frame because it, 
you know, we recognize that the corn is going through an, an important physiological time where it's switching from vegetative to reproductive, and it is the most critical time period of the year to avoid stress. What we've got to remember, I guess, is that it's hard for a manager to improve the health at this specific time period. The, the, the primary thing that's affecting the health of the plant at this time period and how it reacts is primarily the environment, particularly the temperatures and obviously the avoidance of drought stress or too much water stress. And that's the other thing that I would add to the conversation right now is that we fight wet conditions during the entire early part of the growing season, all the way from planting season, herbicide applications, early nitrogen applications and and side dressing. We've got a full profile of soil moisture for the most part right now. And And corn roots are only utilizing moisture or only They've only developed about somewhere probably half to two-thirds of their total root development in the pre-tassel time frame. So 75% of your root development is occurring during this time period when the first irrigation and pre-tassel nitrogen is, is typically applied. So applying an irrigation event truly to just incorporate the nitrogen fertilizer can be detrimental to the crop health just from retarding root growth and, and stunning the crop. And as late as you know, during the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing already, you know, significant crop stunting relative to soil, excessive soil saturation that occurred during the early part of the season. So we often get these questions at the, at the end of harvest season. Why, did, why does my dryland corn out yield my irrigated corn? It's because of effects likely from unnecessary irrigation particularly during this pre-tassel time frame that's actually stunning the corn and holding it back from realizing its true potential. Eric, we went through timings, and you mentioned or you talked about the urease inhibitors, so a la Agartane or equivalent. Agartane is just the name brand that most everyone knows best among those urease inhibitor products. What about rates? And I know that varies depending on the soil texture and and everything else, but just in general, what are our rates for this timing? Generally, it's just 100 pounds of nitrogen fertilizer. That can vary. You know, you can put out 150 pounds without creating excessive leaf burn, but really the rate is going to be in that 100 to 150 pounds of urea. And we try to avoid higher rates because of excessive leaf burn from, from higher rates. So, if folks are applying 100% of their nitrogen fertilizer in the form of urea, we split it up and normally do at least four or five applications up to up until tassel time frame in order to spread out that, that potential for leaf burn and avoid that injury on the crop. I think that introduces a tremendous amount of confusion <clears throat> because inevitably I, a ton of calls, <clears throat> excuse me, a ton of calls about, what caused this? Is this disease? What's it related to? And whatever results in that injury, you're going to get some secondary fungus that'll grow on there that people typically question, well, what's growing on there? I'm like, well, what's not growing on there? There's a, there's a gaggle of things that'll grow on there because you released sugar and a little bit of nutrition from that plant. So the same stuff that's growing on your shower curtain at home will grow on that corn plant, and it'll confuse you. I mean, it's not its not going to do anything. It's not going to hurt the health of the plant, and that injury isn't going to – it's not going to be related to a yield loss at the end of the season. Generally not. 
you know, if we're doing a good job of splitting up those, those fertilizer applications and keep in mind that nearly every application up until the final application is going to be on corn that is, you know, less than six feet tall. So the leaves that are going to burn are, are down below where the ear leaf is at. So from a photosynthetic capacity standpoint, those aren't going to be that significant relative to the leaves that are higher in the plant than, than, than the ear leaf. What are the conditions to look for to avoid some of that injury, the burn from the urea application? Well, number one, the rate, and we've already discussed that. The, the, the other thing is to avoid early morning applications when there's lots of dew or, or moisture on the leaves or, you know, you had a rainfall event that, that evening or morning or something like that. Wait for the leaf, till the leaves are dry. Eric, when we started, we talked about the fact that the crop is way spread out across the state. So earlier season management tips for those guys that hadn't quite reached this growth stage yet, what would you like to suggest to them? There's two things that I can think of, and we've already talked about nitrogen fertilizer applications. If you are applying all your nitrogen as urea fertilizer, I like to start those applications. Do one after after emergence, of course, and then start your secondary applications at the beginning of the rapid growth stages, which is V5, V6, 12 to 18 inches tall corn, and then do applications about every 10 days, and that will take you right up until tassel time frame and, and put the adequate amount of nitrogen, you know, 250, 260 pounds, whatever your normal rate would be, that ought to put you in that ballpark. The other thing is, is uh, crop water needs relative to growth stage. That's highly dependent upon the size of the corn. I just came out of some corn that was about six to seven feet tall. It's going to grow another 35 inches in the next 10 days in tassel, but it's only at about two thirds of its water consumption rate and it's much more tolerant to water stress than what is typically perceived. Now, we've just come through a period where the, the temperatures have been fairly mild, and that's helped us from probably stimulating irrigation earlier than what's necessary because we, we're not really seeing a lot of leaf wilt in our corn, despite you know being without rainfall for several days now in many cases, or weeks even. But we need to base that first irrigation timing upon how much moisture is in the soil profile. So whether you have a soil moisture sensor out there, which is great. If you don't, go out there with a shovel or, or a soil probe or something like that and dig down 12 inches deep and see what you have as far as soil moisture. And sometimes it's extremely surprising. And it's what I'll tell you is it's much more reliable to base your first irrigation timing based upon any soil measurements relative to growth stage than it is on purely looking at leaf wilt the first time it hits 90 degrees. It can, it can start leaf wilting, and if we, if we did get temperatures that ease on up into the 90s, we'll start seeing a lot of wheat leaf wilting because corn readily does that during the late vegetative stages. But it's a very poor indicator of what the long-term, what the soil moisture needs are and what that crop needs at, at those growth stages. It's much more prone to wilt. I've seen corn wilt that literally had water standing in the field or rain the previous day. So don't use wilt as your primary indicator for first irrigation timing. That lines up exactly with what Drew said on the previous episode. If y'all missed that and and are interested in corn irrigation, go back and listen to the things that Drew had to say. But in the case of moisture sensors, he was talking about the sensor at the 24-inch depth is what he likes to see. Once that starts going down, 
means you're getting roots to that depth and it's probably time to start triggering that first irrigation. So y'all, yeah. y'all are right on drew didn't mention the shovel. Tom, with the shovel, don't use your surgically repaired foot to stomp the shovel in the ground. Have you done that here recently? I did it once and got away with it. I'm going to try not to do it twice. It hurt? It didn't it, it feel good. It just didn't feel good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got I, you. I forgot about it and stomped that shovel in the ground and like, whoops, sorry. Got a little ahead of yourself. I did. You thinking you're hundred percent repaired still. <laughs> you're not, man. You're probably about eighty eight percent. Probably. I get it. Eric, thanks, man. That's thanks. good stuff and super important for the time right now. Thank you. Anything we can do to help, I always feel free to holler, contact us via email, social media, whatever. Yeah, it's just I was gonna say is keep the pictures and the texts coming. I mean that's sometimes the best way to get a hold of us and there's a lot of those flying around and we all share them with each other too so if there's something we can't answer we try to send it to somebody else within a different discipline and take care of that thanks eric thank you the mississippi crop situation podcast is a production of mississippi state university extension 